Okay, I'm going to be reading from 1 John chapter 3, starting at verse 18. 1 John chapter 3, starting at verse 18. Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. By this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our heart before him. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart, and he knows everything. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him, because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. And this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he has commanded us. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God, and God in him. And by this we know that he abides in us, by the Spirit whom he has given us. Let's pray. Father, what a privilege it is to preach from your word, the sacred scriptures. Your word carries so much authority. And it's the absolute truth. Your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Your word is there to govern our lives. We either are governed by sin or we are governed by you, Father. So help us, Father. Help us to hear what your word has to say to our hearts. We have ears, therefore let us listen. Thank you again for this beautiful letter written by the Apostle John. A very challenging letter. A very letter that is dear to his heart, which is love. Loving one another. And we know the greatest commandment is to love one another. So Father, what a challenging letter to us to examine our hearts, to see if we are loving one another, if we are walking in your ways and honouring you through your word, if we are submitting to your teachings. So Father, thank you again for the sacred scriptures. Thank you again we can all be here. So help us to listen, to hear and to take your word home. And apply it to our lives not only here on a sunday but during the week from monday to saturday help us to live out the truth so that people can see we walk in truthfulness and we know our god and we love him by the way we live so father thank you now thank you again for this passage thank you for the apostle john thank you again for the holy spirit that teaches us your word and illuminates the scriptures so we can understand them and apply them in our own lives i pray not this all in jesus name Amen. So this morning we continue with 1 John chapter 3 and we're looking at verses 19 to 24. So Lord willing we come to an end of chapter 3, probably not next Sunday but the Sunday after. But it's been a very challenging letter because if you have to sum up this letter, it's really all about loving one another. How do we know we have eternal life? Well, we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and we love one another and this morning i want to look at calm confidence through this passage that i just read because at the end of verse 21 it says we have confidence before god we should be living with a calm confidence before god as believers are we living before our heavenly father in calm confidence we're supposed to be. 
because we have the Holy Spirit living in us. We're supposed to not be living before God with trembling anxiety, but a calm confidence. And I'm, I'm not saying a perfect calm confidence. No one's perfect here. No one's arrived. But we have God's Word to, to keep us calm. Obviously, if we have peace with God, which lays the foundation, because there's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus, so there's a peace. And on top of the peace, we basically should have a calm confidence. And let's be honest, it's easy to live before God in calm confidence when all is going well. But what happens when another country decides to invade our country? Start a war with us, which then causes us to flee our homes, run to the mountains, run to neighboring countries. And there we thought our houses were safe. We were in a safe place. Will we still have a calm confidence before God? And I'm not just talking about a calm confidence in the context of what I've just said about war or our trials and our struggles. I'm talking about a calm confidence in every day as we walk with God. doesn't matter what we go through. And as we live out our Christian life before this world, are we walking with God and living before God in calm confidence? And if we have eternal life, and we are living godly lives before God, we will know that we have calm confidence because we're going to have to give our best because God requires from us to do what Micah said in chapter 6 verse 8 what the Lord requires of us well Micah says this he has told you O man what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God that's what we've called. We've called to, to live humble lives, to live faithful lives, to walk humbly and to do justice and to love kindness. To love one another. Obviously within reason, because we can't love everybody. And if we are walking humbly with God and we're doing justice and we, and we love kindness, then we will know we are living before God with a calm confidence. But, let's be honest, we can also create a false calm confidence. And when I say false calm confidence, you think by being here this morning, coming to church, that you have peace with God. You think by giving to the thanks offering, you have peace with God, and therefore you have a calm confidence. But that's not true, because this is how the Pharisees lived. Listen to, to Jesus, how he kind of rebuked the Pharisees, who had a false calm confidence. In Matthew 23, verse 23, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. It says, and you have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. You have focused so much on the, on the externals, on giving and showing off your showy gifts before people. But you forgot to be faithful. You forgot to practice justice before people. And you've forgotten to be merciful to people. The Pharisees focused on the small matters. 
at the expense of the weightier matters. matters. And through that, they experienced living before God with a calm confidence that was false. Are we like that? Because the Pharisees, they were unfair, they were unjust, they were unmerciful, they were brutal, unforgiving, unkind, greedy, and very abusive to others, especially to Jesus, the Son of God. There were a few Pharisees that God eventually saved. But we know our own hearts. Are we showing mercy, justice, and faithfulness? Because if we are, that shows that we are loving God and loving one another. So let's not pretend we have a calm confidence, thinking if we can sit in church, give, go to prayer meetings, go to Bible studies, and therefore we have a calm confidence. It needs to be worked out from within. So the question is, how can we know that we are living before God with a calm confidence that pleases Him? And this is what I want to look at this morning. I want to look at two facts and probably get through the first fact because it's very important. This letter is a letter that we can't just skim over. We can be superficial about this. But we need to go deep and we need to examine our hearts. Because the Israelites, when Jesus came, they were doing one thing. They were not loving one another. They were not loving their neighbor. They were rebellious. They thought they knew God. Look at the Pharisees. Their religious leaders were misleading them. And we need to make sure that I don't mislead you and we don't mislead each other. We have God's Word, which is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. We have the Bible to go back and examine the Scriptures to see what I'm saying is true. Be like the Bereans in Acts. So this morning, let's look at two facts. From 1 John chapter 3, verses 11 to 19, and these two facts, they show us that we are living before God with calm confidence that pleases Him. And the first fact that we want to look at this morning to see if we are living before God in calm confidence that pleases Him is our hearts don't condemn us. A very interesting passage because this passage from verses 19 to 24 flows out of verses 11 to 18. And 11 to 18 is all about loving one another. For if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? That's not loving one another. We as Christians need to do the opposite. When we see someone in need, we love them. And our love is not in word or talk. Our love is in deed and truth. And verse 19 says, By this we shall know that we are of the truth. How do we know? We are loving one another. Because we walk in truthfulness. We don't walk on our own. But let's be honest. When we look at this first fact, that our hearts don't condemn us, we can all put up a hand and say, how often do our hearts condemn us? We read our Bible. We go to home fellowship group. We go to prayer meetings. We come to church. We have fellowship one, with one another, with our brothers and sisters. And we wonder if I make any progress at all in the Christian life. The Christian life is the hardest life 
to live. It requires God's grace every day. It requires the Holy Spirit to renew our minds. That's if we're reading the Word, so that He can renew our minds, so that we can make progress. Even reading this letter, I look at this letter and I see how little like Jesus I really am and how much further I need to go. If you think you arrived, then you're welcome to come preach this morning. And I'd love to listen to what your secret is. Because there's no secret. It's meeting together in fellowship. Building each other up in the grace and glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's taking God's word and allowing it to saturate our minds so we may not sin against God and we may help each other. And we need each other and we need God's grace. We cannot do it alone. You will fall short badly. God has saved us individually and He saved us into His church where we build each other up in Christ Jesus. And our prayer should be every day, Lord, help us to grow in the grace and knowledge of Your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Help us to grow in grace and knowledge. Knowledge alone puffs up. Grace carries us through that knowledge so we don't become conceited and self-righteous and start becoming like the Pharisees. And like I said, if we are loving one another, we know that the truth is in us. If we are loving our brothers and sisters in Christ, we're meeting their needs, we know that the truth is in us. Because John is really exhorting us, he's saying, do not close your hearts towards your fellow believers in need. If you do, the truth is not in you. That's what he's telling us. He's actually giving us in this letter assurance of eternal life. You want to know if you have eternal life? What are you doing with Jesus Christ who you believe in? What are you doing? Is He flowing out of your heart into the lives of people? Are you reading the Gospels to see how He lived? How He loved the unlovely? How He loved everybody in spite of? Because we know that it's hard. And we know that we need to trust in God and rely on His grace. We know we need, we need to hold fast that truth and not to give in to the meanness of our heart. Our hearts are ugly. They're desperately sick and wicked. It's so easy to fall into temptation. It's so easy to, to find excuses why we can't help someone in need. But we need to know this from John's letter, 1 John chapter 2, verses 4 to 6. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. This is how we reassure our heart before God. And we can set our minds and rest before God. Because we are in the truth. And that's if we are walking in the same way in which Jesus walked. We can never be like Him, so forget it. You're going to burn out, you're going to go mad. Just walk in the same manner as He will. Give it your best in loving and caring for people in need. And like I said, if we go back to 11, verses 11 to 18, it all starts here in the household of God. Are we fellowshipping with each other? Are we meeting each other's needs when we're here? Or do we just say, I'll pray with you, you go well, and offer lip service compassion? And then he goes on to say, But 
For whenever our heart condemns us, and how often our hearts will condemn us, God is greater than our heart, and He knows everything. Just a beautiful quote around this, just to let us hear this. If our hearts condemn us, this is not the significant thing. It is God's condemnation or approval that matters. And He knows everything. How, how do we know when our heart condemns us? Well, when we turn our back on loving a brother or sister. When we say, oh, sorry, Jack, um, oh, I can't really help you, but I know what, I'm going to pray for you. And you pat him on his back. And you turn to your house and you know your house is filled with material things. Your heart should condemn you. But the beautiful thing, as a Christian, when you do that, you know God is greater than your heart. He knows everything. He knows your heart. He knows exactly what's going on in your heart. You can turn to Him and you can do exactly what 1 John 1 one nine says, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Because we have a forgiving God. But I'm going to say this. If you are practicing not helping meet the needs of other people all the time, then you are practicing sin. Because we are going to trip up sometimes. We are going to be caught flat-footed sometimes. But you can always go back to that person an hour later and say, No, Joe, sorry, I can't help you now. What can I do for you? What do you need? He's not going to ask you for your home or your car. He's going to ask you for maybe buy a loaf of bread. Buy me some water. Is it so hard to help someone in need in our church? I'm not even talking about outside then. If we can't love yeah. Our brothers and sisters in Christ. Because that's what verses 11 to 24 are all about. If we can't love here, how are we going to love the unlovely, the stranger and the enemy? God's word is so precious to us. It's so good because it warns us. It wakes us up out of our stupor. But there will be times when we may not be able to help someone. But then we might allow our hearts to condemn us falsely. Then you start feeling, oh, guilty. Because there are times you cannot help someone. You can't even help yourself. How are you going to help someone? And let's be honest, Jesus didn't help every person that he came across. He didn't heal every person. I mean, this is astonishing when you read in Mark chapter, if I can find it, chapter 2. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. And they found him and said to Jesus, Everyone is looking for you. Everyone is looking for you. Every, come back to the town. Everyone is looking for you. Come back and help. And what does Jesus say? And he said to them, Let us go on to the next town, that I may preach there also. For that is why I came out. If you want to go to war with us, you can say Jesus is unloving. Why didn't he go back and help those? God is God and he does as he pleases. Jesus didn't heal everybody. and We can't help everybody. But you know in your heart when you can help someone and you say you can't. That's what we need to focus on. But if you can't help someone... Don't get caught into a 
a heart that condemns you falsely. Because that will happen. We need to always look to God, who's greater than our hearts, and we need to always go to Him and cry out in repentance. The Christian life is going to be a spiritual battle. And we must know that God sees our hearts. Therefore, our lack of loving a fellow believer, all our bad works will not go unnoticed by our all-knowing God. But let's rather turn to God, who is greater than our hearts, and allow Him to help us. Because He knows our hearts. Listen to Jeremiah. It says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Ah, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. God knows the heart. And He is our answer to go to. Go to Him. He knows our heart. He's greater than our hearts. Confess your sins and He will help you. Now, at Home Fellowship Group, we had a little bit of discussion with Peter and his denial. But here is a great example of allowing your heart not to condemn you to the point where it is false. Because this is what happened to Peter. Think of Peter, how he wept bitterly after he had denied his Lord, and no doubt he was filled with remorse and repentance for his sin. And Jesus knew that Peter had repented. How do we know that? Because after his resurrection, the Lord sent a special message to Peter. Listen to Mark 16. It says this. Mark 16 talks about there was a man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and the, the disciples that there were alarmed. And this man said to them, Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has risen. He's not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, and this is what the man says, but go tell his disciples and Peter. Isn't that amazing? And Peter, that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. And we know exactly what happened. Go to John and you can see when Jesus made them breakfast, how he said to Peter, do you love me three times? Isn't that beautiful? He includes Peter because he knew Peter. When he looked at him, he knew Peter had remorse. And all Peter had to do was cry out in repentance and ask God to forgive him, which he did. And of course, when Peter heard this message that Jesus is looking for the disciples and him, this would have reassured him, this hot-tempered fisherman, that he was forgiven. See, God forgives us. Peter's heart may have condemned him, for he knew he had denied the Lord three times, but God was greater than his heart. God is greater than our hearts. Don't get caught up in guilt and self-pity. Just go and cry out in repentance. The Lord forgives you. But are you genuine and sincere about true repentance? It's easy to sin and forgive. Sin and forgive. And ask God to forgive you every time you sin. Beware you're not practicing such a sin. And the result is, listen to the rest of that verse. Verse 21, sorry. Beloved, 
of 1 John chapter 3, verse 21. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. If we are living a godly life, a righteous life, and when we sin, we confess our sin, and we try our best to love our brothers in need, we can live before God with confidence. Because it says there, if our hearts don't condemn us, we have confidence before God. Let, let's do this as a check. If you always are checking up on your assurance, assurance of salvation, you might be ask yourself often, I wonder if I'm saved, I wonder if I'm saved, I wonder if I'm saved. You need to ask yourself, why are you asking that question? And the reason why you may be asking that question is because you are practicing sin. And you're copying out with forgiveness. Because if you are practicing righteousness, then you are assured of your salvation. There's the perseverance of the saints and there's the assurance of salvation that comes through election, which is a beautiful word. But if you are practicing sin, you are always going to ask yourself, I wonder if I'm saved. I wonder if I'm saved. So you need to examine your heart. I need to examine my heart. I'm learning so much from this letter and looking at my own heart. Because if we live before God and we are, and there is, obviously, the, obviously there's going to be condemnation living before God. We're going to sin. We're going to sometimes say to someone we can't help them, but maybe we could have. Confess your sin. But the beautiful thing is if your heart doesn't condemn you, you can have confidence before God and that moves on to prayer. You can ask God in prayer. You can have confidence towards God and that gives us boldness in asking God in prayer. It gives us the confidence to draw near to the throne of grace. And the confidence is not in us. The confidence is in we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. We know what He accomplished on the cross for us. And it's in Him I can stand in confidence before the throne of grace, our Heavenly Father, and ask in prayer. Just remember this. We don't love one another to earn answers to prayer. Forget that. Remember, God is all-knowing, sees such a heart. And a lot of people live like that. They live in legalism. They think if they do this, God is going to do this for them. And as soon as God does something tragic in their lives, they want to say, God, where are you? I lived like this. I prayed every morning. I came to church every morning. I did this and I gave. And, I, and, and you've been blessing me. Now what have I done wrong? We can't control God. God is not a God of performance. He cannot do anything to make God love you more. He loves you the same as He loved the Lord Jesus Christ. Nothing less, nothing more. So we must stop trying to do things to make God love us more. Obviously we please God when we do things that are righteous. It's pleasing to God. It's honoring to God. But it doesn't mean you're exempt from some tragedy. It doesn't mean you're going to get a life-threatening disease. It doesn't mean that you might lose your job because you are walking in a righteous manner. We live in a fallen world and sin is still in this world. But a Christian who practices love grows in his understanding of God's truth and enjoys a heart filled with confidence before God and can live before God with a calm confidence and cry to Him in prayer. And God in His time 
will answer his prayer. Maybe not. There's a lot of us here that can say we've had unanswered prayer. The only happy, holy way to live is on the level of Christian love. It assures us confidence and courage in spite of the difficulties of life. In fact, it is a matter of life and death. If you want to practice unrighteousness and live as you please and disobey God, then there's hell. That's what the Bible says. Eternal death. But if you're practicing righteousness and you're living before God with confidence and you're practicing righteousness and you're doing your best to love your brothers and sisters in Christ, then there is eternal life. Heaven. This is what the Bible tells us. This is not my makeup. This is not my opinion. This is God's word. A lot of people want to argue and say, how can God send people to hell? Well, listen to what John says if you still struggle with, with this. This is what John says. We know everybody likes to quote this verse, if I can find it. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. But listen to verse 36. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. That's it. Practice sin, eternal death. Practice righteousness, eternal life. So the only happy way to live, really, is on the level of Christian love. Loving one another. So this morning, will we be challenged? Will we look at this first fact? Our hearts don't condemn us, and our hearts won't condemn us if we are practicing righteousness, if we are loving our brother and sister, meeting their needs as they cry out. Because if we are, it shows that we are living before God in calm confidence that pleases Him. Because there on the cross, Jesus died so that we would be His workmanship, creating in Christ Jesus to do good works. Loving one another is doing good works, which God prepared beforehand for us to walk in them. We are His workmanship. And we are His workmanship to walk in a loving manner, worthy of our calling, pleasing God in everything, bearing fruit in everything. And we will if we are loving one another. And if we are loving one another, then we will be living before God with a calm confidence that pleases Him. Not perfectly. Let's pray. Father, I thank You for this passage. Thank You that Your Word is always bringing us back down to living the narrow way. Living according to Your way. Submitting to Your teachings. Father, we thank You for Jesus. Help us to yoke with Him. Help us to learn from Him. Help, help us to submit to Him so He can teach us. Father, please forgive us. If our hearts condemn us, forgive us, Father. For this is not easy. But if we are of the truth, we know that we then can live before You in calm confidence that pleases You. So, Father, please, as we come now to the Lord's Supper, help us to examine our hearts to see if we are practicing righteousness, if we are living before you in calm confidence that pleases you. So, Father, I thank you. Thank you for your grace. Thank you again. You've given us your word to challenge us, to exhort us, to rebuke us, to, to, to teach us and to train us in righteousness. 
so that we may be adequate in every good work. So Father, please forgive us. We all fall far short of how we're supposed to be loving one another and helping one another. Have mercy upon us, Father. Please, you know our hearts. We know our hearts. If they condemn us, Father, give us the wisdom to fall on our faces and repent and turn from a heart that condemns us to a heart that does not condemn us. Father, please help us. Pray in us this all in Jesus' name. Amen.